In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. In the ancient world, there were all kinds of gods. Gods of thunder and sky, volcanoes, earthquakes, sun gods, moon gods, gods of the harvest, even a god of wine. It wasn't that one god was better than another, necessarily. It was more a matter of knowing who to pray to in whatever circumstances you might be experiencing. The world was beyond any sort of scientific reason. It was a world based solely on the experiential. Cause and effect had little to do with what one thought of something, but everything to do with what one believed. An individual's or a community's actions could cause all to become cursed or to be blessed by a particular God. So best to keep all the gods happy that they might favor you. Jesus is not that kind of a God. Jesus is the kind of God who favors us regardless of our actions. That doesn't mean that we can't displease God. Instead, it means that regardless of the pleasure or displeasure that God takes in us, he is always drawing us to him and offering us good things. The challenge for us is to disassociate our behavior from God's rewards, to live in relationship with God as the ancients were in relationship with their various gods is a transactional life at best, not the transformational one that God calls us to. Those ancient gods are not so far removed from our present ones. We may not worship trees, but we hold on to the idols of money and power. We live into a transactional relationship with the gods, describing earthquakes or hurricanes or other disasters as consequences of our behavior and thus of God's displeasure with us. We allow the seeds of scarcity and dissonance to temper our hope and to choke our faith. This morning, this wedding at Cana offers us a deeper, more complex understanding of just what kind of God we might truly believe in. There are two people in the room that day who know the truth about Jesus, Mary and Jesus. And it is in this setting that Jesus will choose to perform his first miracle. Not simply that he would perform a sign, but an opportunity to distinguish himself from the gods of old and the relationship that the people have entertained with them. God's miracle is more than turning water into wine. It is the transformational power of abundance over scarcity and the goodness of a God whose love is poured out onto us regardless of our worthiness. When the wine runs out at the wedding feast and Mary approaches her son to inform him of the situation, and there is no inflection in her words, at least not marked by punctuation in scripture, instead she offers a simple sentence which theologians have spent years debating. Mary tells Jesus, they have no wine. Jesus is the one who feels put upon and responds in a bit of a defensive and resistant manner. 
And his response might lead to speculations that he is not yet ready to make himself known to the world, or that he knows that as soon as he begins to perform these signs, he boards a one-way train to the cross when his hour will arrive. I think both of those things are probably a little true, and I know they've been preached on more than once in my lifetime. Yet it is a deeper meaning lurking below the words that mother and son exchange that might help us gain a little more insight and a truer understanding of this man-God that we call Jesus. Mary is focused on the scarcity of the situation. She knows that Jesus has the power to do something about this lack of wine, and she wants this day to be a blessing. I am not truly convinced that Mary was concerned about the revelation of Christ to the world when she informed him there was no more wine. Rather, I think she is focused on the day's events and a transactional understanding that there is not enough, and she knows that Jesus can make more. Jesus' concern has less to do with this transactional understanding of who the divine is and more about what it means to live a transformational life. As a God of transformation, he values abundant giving over cause and effect, our quid pro quo kind of theology. Our God is not a God who, when displeased by human actions, will rain down destruction upon us. And nor is he a God who rewards us for being good. God, and therefore Jesus, invites us into a deeper relationship that transcends our behavior. We need be less concerned with being bad or good for God's sake, and more concerned with living into the abundance of God, for that is his sign for us. Jesus seems to resist Mary when she points out the need in this situation, but it is really not a resistance of her. It is a resistance of the transactional desire for supply and demand. Supply was low, demand was high, and here was someone to rectify the situation. Jesus wants us to think less through the lens of scarcity which always leads to a transactional approach in life, and more through the lens of abundance, which opens the door of transformation. As long as we allow scarcity to cloud our thinking and judgment, we will live in fear and hold on to those idols of money or power or whatever they might be, because in our minds, they are our only defense against lack. To live into a life of abundance is to resist the demons of greed and avarice and invite the God of love and giving into our hearts. Jesus does a risky thing when he turns 150 gallons, give or take a little, of water into wine. How easy it might have been for the host, the chief steward, the other partygoers to have associated this windfall with the god of wine, Bacchus himself. The risk that Jesus takes is not the invitation of another god to this party, though. It is the association that this party is well-pleasing to God, and thus the partygoers, the steward, the bridegroom, the host, 
should be rewarded by his gift. That is a transactional understanding of God. It is the sheer volume of wine, the quietness in which our Lord acts, and the simplicity of the miracle that leads us to understand and begin to know a God who works quietly in our own lives in unexpected, yet sometimes quite obvious ways. And always, always to the abundant good of our world. That is what transformation is all about. It's not that we may know suffering or doubt or fear or even lack at times, but it is that in those times, we can always look toward a God who knows our needs, but acts for our faith. Jesus' miracle is not a response to a request that someone else has made, even if it is his mother, nor is it the correction of an oversight or the meeting of the principles of supply and demand in this economic world. Our God is not a God of transaction. This miracle, the first of his signs, is an invitation into reshaping our understanding and thus our relationship with God and with this world. All those ancient gods of thunder and mischief and wine and harvest, they are all gods based in transactional belief of cause and effect because they are transactional gods. Jesus comes to reshape that belief and offer us a better, a more hopeful way of living in this world and in the next. The real witness to that kind of life was the same one at that wedding feast in Cana. The chief steward who said, everyone serves the good wine first, but you have kept the good wine until now. His witness reminds us that we do serve a transformational God, a God who gives not because we need or deserve it, but simply because he loves us. Amen.